ladies' Bible study luncheon. Faith's had a month in the bed, just about sick, her and Mitch. And uh, so I guess she's wanting to get back to work. <laughs> oh, boy. Y'all don't need to get sick again. What's that? Y'all let her recover. All right. Well, we're glad you're here. And um, we're going to look at... Uh, We're going to look at a sermon as soon as I get it on my iPad. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> Baby, come talk a minute. I got to go get a sermon. Dispatch was calling you. All right, well, I already preached once today at the jail, so I can just preach again. Um, there's a scripture in Proverbs 10, I think 25. It says, when the whirlwind passes, the evil are no more. But the righteous have an everlasting foundation. The righteous have an everlasting When the whirlwind passes, see, storms. I remember I, I opened up in prayer at the Gretna prayer dinner one time, and Sally Ann Roberts was the speaker, and she did an incredible job. But the one, you know, you don't remember a lot of things, but this is one thing I remember she said. She said, either you're coming into a storm you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. And she had just found out that her husband had colon cancer and he actually passed away four months after that. But on her way to that event, she stopped off at a CVS or Walgreens and she tested her blood pressure and found out she had high blood pressure. She didn't know until that point. So all of a sudden, she's in a storm. Her own health is being compromised, her husband. But she said, life is full of storms. And in Proverbs, it said, when the whirlwind passes, now that could mean a hurricane for us. When the whirlwind passes through, the wicked are no more. So the world is in all kinds of turmoil right now. But God is doing some shifting. Now, if you've ever baked a cake and you've, they said shift the flour, there's some shifting, right? <laughs> it goes through that sieve. Well, God is shaking. And what, but God's using this for a purpose and that purpose is to, where is your focus right now? Because when things start rocking, God's saying, look to me. Keep your eyes on me. I'm, the, I'm your author. I'm the finisher of your faith. And that is our hope. And so what I, I preached on it at the jail was about what is your foundation? What are you standing on? What, what holds your life together? If it's uh, your money. If it's the gas prices, <laughs> things that will be shaken will be shaken. Food prices may go up right now because Russia is one of the, our greatest exporters of wheat. My husband's cousin in Georgia used to grow her own weed. And I said, Robert, we may have to start growing some wheat in the backyard. I, I don't know what may be coming, but we need to go on a diet anyway. We need less wheat. Uh, but the thing is, God, nothing has taken God by surprise. And so... What is our foundation? Matthew 7 talks about two men. It was a wise man and a foolish man. It said the wise man, in verse 24, built his house on the rock. 
The rains came, the wind came, the storm came, and it said his house stood. The same storm blew, but it was a foolish man this time. It said the foolish man, he had built a house. The same wind, the same hurricane blew through, but he built his house on sand. And it said his house crashed. So the same storm hit both men, but one responded in faith. One responded. <laughs> you know, you're going to mess up my sermon. Oh, no. <laughs> but what does the rock represent? God's eternal word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. So the believer stands on the word of God and says, this is what God's word says. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I will stand on his eternal word. And so whatever is coming against you in your life right now, in your personal life, it could be your job. It could be a sickness. It could be a rebellious child or rebellious husband. We have those ladies. <laughs> no, not in here. Not in here. Well, that, that happens every now and then. Peace. We say, peace be still to the storm. That's what Jesus said. Peace be still. When Jesus is in your boat, you can have peace. The storms may be raging around you, but make sure you have Jesus in your boat. Baby, did you get your sermon? Well, come on down. It would not have been All right, just proves multitasking sometimes doesn't work. But uh, anyway, all right. Anybody ever struggle with worry? Don't lie. Well, before we go into worrying, uh, you know, all this talk about, you know, alternative energy sources and having to get battery-powered cars and all that, well, it finally reached the bayou. But it didn't translate too well because Boudreaux and Thibodeau, we're talking about this, and Boudreaux said uh, that he said, my uncle, he made him a new kind of car. And, uh, and, and so Boudreaux said, uh, here's what he did. He, he made him a new kind of car. Thibodeau said, what kind of car? Is what, an electric car? No, here's what he did. He took an engine from a Ford. He took a transmission from a Chevy. He took the tires off a Cadillac and the exhaust system from a Buick. Thibodeau said, really? What did he get? 15 to 20 for Grand Theft Auto. Didn't work out in the bayou too good. All right. So we've got a lot of things going on. You've got, we've just come out of two years of COVID captivity and all kinds of that kind of stuff. We've had the Russian invasion, uh, you know, that's going on uh, where they've just uh, are invading the Ukraine and, and uh, news is not good all over. News we don't hear is there's genocide going on in different countries in Africa where Muslims are killing Christians. Uh, and uh, Iran and China, they're persecuting Christians. China persecuting Christians and Muslims and, uh, and all that. So there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. And this thing with Russia, you know, a lot of people that are younger don't remember the old days of the Cold War where we had anybody besides me remember the, the atomic bomb drills they would do. They would make you get under a desk like that's going to help in the event of a nuclear war. But, you know, with either that or you go down to the stinky bathroom. I remember elementary school, it was like, please, Lord, just let them drop the bomb on me. I don't have to go down there again. And, uh, and so, you know, but, but there's a lot of stuff going on. And fear, I think, is one of the biggest tools the devil uses. Uh, 
and he's been using it big time for the last two to three years. And, uh, and, and so he uses it to get us to be afraid of each other, uses it to get us to be afraid of our government, our doctors, uh, the enemy, and all that stuff. But look, here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. And, and you need to understand that. God never created us, didn't down a cross. Jesus didn't down a cross. He didn't send the Holy Spirit for us to walk around being afraid of everything. He said, but of power and love and self-discipline. That's the spirit that God gives us. Now, we're afraid of all kinds of things, right? I mean, a lot of us are afraid of snakes. I remember when a snake got between me and my mama, and I was on my tricycle. I don't like snakes to this day. I think the only snake, the good snake is one that no longer has his head, and he's been blown apart or cut in half. And, and my brother keeps trying to convince me that corn snakes and king snakes are okay, but I don't get close enough to tell what kind it is until I've killed it. And, uh, and so, but you know, lot, some people are afraid of spiders. We don't like roaches too much. When, when Pastor Kathy was doing missionary work with the Samoans in Hawaii, they don't mind roaches. They're scared to death of geckos and, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. And some people are afraid of being in open places. Uh, some people are afraid of noisy places. Some people are afraid of making the wrong kind of decision. She was afraid of marrying the wrong person for nine years. She finally realized I was the right guy. But, but, you know, some people are afraid of being alone. Some people are afraid. It seems like some people are afraid of coming to church these days. But anyway, uh, people fear. So let me ask you, what's your biggest fear that you're facing today? Is it, is it COVID? Is it Russia? Is it paying for something, a gallon for gas? Is it trying to figure out how you're going to pay for food? Uh, is it getting back? Whatever it is. I want you to write this down. Jesus doesn't want you to waste time worrying. Jesus does not want you to waste time worrying. It doesn't matter what it is. Worrying is a waste of time. And he doesn't want us wasting our time. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He says this, This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So Jesus Starts out and he says, this is what I'm telling you. Don't worry about your everyday life. Don't worry about those things. And then he goes and says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable than they are. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? I'd ask you that. Let me tell you, worrying doesn't add a minute to your life. It shortens your life. And he said, why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, wasn't dressed as beautifully as they are. And he says, if God cares wonderfully, so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Then he says this, so don't worry about these things, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What will we wear? And you could just keep going to what if and what if and what if on down the road, to where if somebody cuts you off in traffic, if somebody drops a bomb or whatever, he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then here's the kicker. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So let's look at that just a second. He says, seek your relationship with God above everything. That's number one. We've talked about that over and over. 
And then he said, live righteously, which means as best you can, you're living the way God wants you to live. Are any of us perfect? No. But as best we can, we're living a righteous life. And, and it says he will give you everything you need. Didn't say everything you want. Might not be the new Apple iPhone or whatever, but he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Listen, nothing that's going on in our world today has caught God by surprise. COVID didn't catch God by surprise. Putin didn't catch God by surprise. None of this has caught God by surprise. And, and, and he doesn't want us to walk around with the spirit, spirit of fear. Fear comes, the enemy of, comes from the enemy of your souls, the devil. Power, love, and self-discipline come from the Lord. And so we've got to understand that. So this world's in a panic. I mean, people are worried about everything. They're panicking about everything. But as believers in Jesus, we don't have to be in a panic like the rest of the world. One of the things that I've loved hearing, as horrible as this thing in the Ukraine is, and, and watching people, and, and, uh, and, and these people are fighting back. They've actually chased Russia out of one of the towns Russia took. And, uh, but, but you know what happened? They ran out of Bibles in all their Bible bookstores. They won't, they're buying up Bibles from other countries. They're also, uh, you know, uh, and, and so that's amazing because they're turning to the Lord. And, and listen, we have a protector and we have a hope that the world doesn't have. And the Christians in the Ukraine and the Christians in Russia have a hope and a protection that other people don't have. Listen to Psalm 91. The psalmist said this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. We put our trust in God. He becomes our place of safety. He becomes our refuge. He covers us with his protection. For he will rescue from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness or the disaster that strikes at midday. Pretty much covers it all, doesn't it? And then he says, though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. And uh, no plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will, they will hold, let, let me tell you, we had, we had a, I won't tell who it was, we had a miracle happen last week. I mean, we're talking about miracles. One of the ladies in our church made a wrong turn into an area where somebody was waiting to shoot somebody. And instead of shooting her, they waved her off. Folks, that's a miracle of God because most of those guys that are waiting to kill, and they shot somebody on that corner after she drove away. That doesn't happen. They usually just kill you and then they kill the person they want. And so he, that's what he says. That's what we're talking about here. And, and, he, and he ends, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Folks, we have a protection the rest of the world doesn't have. I could tell you stories about that Psalm 91. We give out a Psalm 91 book to people and and in that book, it's got stories. There was a, when, when the English got run into the ocean, was at Dunkirk, at Dunkirk, and they, were, they had one 
group of soldiers, one platoon that was praying Psalm 91 out loud, and while everybody around them was getting blown to smithereens, all the artillery was missing them, and every single one of them made it back. And, uh, and so, guys, let me tell you, we have a protection. So write this down. God declares that he will protect us. God declares he'll protect us. In verse 1 through 3, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow, his protection. This I declare of the Lord. He's my refuge, my place of safety. Listen, the stock market's not your refuge. Your job's not your refuge. You're not even your house. God is. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. See, when we place our trust in God, he promises to protect us. And so he's our place of safety. He's the one that rescues us. And let me tell you, when you're living for the Lord, culture is going to try and trip you up. Culture will try and trap you. And when you make a mistake, they're going to say, hey, yeah, I knew you wasn't a real Christian. See, you're acting just like so-and-so. He'll protect you from the traps. Psalm 91, 6, he says this, Don't dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Listen, COVID was in the dark for a while. You know, and, and even when it started popping up, nobody knew what it was. Putin was denying for months while he's putting troops on the border of the Ukraine that he's going to invade. You know, gas prices, everything's going up, but God knows and God will take care of you and I. We don't have to dread that. So make the Lord your refuge, and he will protect you. He will protect you. Write that down. Psalm 91, 9 through 10, he said, If you make the Lord your refuge, you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. So your refuge is like your home. Your home's where your heart is. Is your heart with Jesus tonight? Is, is Jesus the center of your life? If he is, you're okay. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Uh, you're under his protection. So what can we do to eliminate fear in our lives? What can we do to eliminate fear of what's going to happen tomorrow? Fear of, you know, I mean, uh, are the prices going to keep going up? Probably for a little while. Uh, you know, what goes up always comes back down. So, and what goes down, if you've got investments, always comes back up. So, I mean, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. But, you know, it, it is a little disheartening. You know, I drove by yesterday by Walmart. Uh, and the line was too long. Gas was, I think, um, I think it was two eighty one a gallon, or no, three eighty one a gallon. And then I came back by that afternoon. It was three ninety nine a gallon. I went, oh my goodness, <laughs> just a couple of hours, you know. And that's for something a gallon. So, what, how do we get rid of that worry? What do we need to do? I want to read a passage, and we're going to talk about it. And look at some steps. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. We don't have to be afraid of COVID. We don't have to be afraid of China. Do we take precautions? Absolutely, we do. Uh, but here's the thing. We don't have to be afraid. Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So let's look at that. There's some steps to eliminate fear and worry that we can get out of that. So number one, you've just got to decide you're going to do what God says to do. 
And he says, stop worrying about anything. Just say, God, okay. It's easier said than done, right? I mean, we can say that. Stop worrying about anything. Look what Paul says. Don't worry about anything in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't worry about anything. Well, that's a command from God. And so we've got to determine, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. Listen, I know this stuff works. I've prayed this passage many times. You might have to do like I've done on days and pray it 100 times in a day. But then the next day, maybe you'll pray it 90. And the next day, maybe you'll pray it 80. And the next day, maybe you'll pray it uh, 60 or 50 or 40 or 30 until you finally just trust God. But he said at first, don't worry about anything. Listen, worry is expecting the worst thing to happen. And that'll cause you stress, and that'll cause you anxiety. It'll rob you of your peace. It'll rob you of your joy. It'll rob you of your productivity because you'll be frozen. But it is kind of our basic nature. Let me prove it. If you're at work and you get called to the boss's office at about 4.30 on Friday, is your first thought he's calling me to give me a raise and tell me how good I'm doing? No, they don't ever call you to the office. for Your first thought is, oh, no, I'm getting fired. You know, and so it's just part of, part of our nature, you know. And, and the truth is, most of what you worry about will never happen. Write that down. Most of what you worry about will never happen. Listen, 40% of the things you worry about will never happen. 30% of your worries already happen. 12% of your worries are about your health, which you can do something about. 10% of your worries, unless you go to this church and eat like we eat, but 10% of your worries are insignificant, 8% of your worries are legitimate. So 8 out of 100 things might actually be something you you need to deal with. Most things we worry about just aren't ever going to happen. Worry is useless. You need to understand that. It doesn't change the past. It won't change the future. It doesn't help you in the present. When we worry about something, we make it bigger and bigger, and we make God smaller and smaller. When we trust God, we make God bigger, and our worry, the thing we're worried about gets smaller and smaller. And, uh, and so we, we just need to trust God more. Worry, write this down, is a learned behavior. You learn how to worry, and it can be unlearned, and it can be unlearned. You know, one day John Wesley, I, was, I was, grew up in a Methodist church back when I actually believed something. And uh, John, John Wesley was walking around with a troubled man who expressed his doubt as to the goodness of God. And, and he said, I just don't know what to do with all this worry and trouble that I see. And at that same moment, Wesley uh, saw a cow looking over a stone wall. And he said, do you know, asked Wesley, why that cow's looking over the wall? And no, the man said, who was worried, Wesley said this, the cow's looking over the wall because the cow cannot see through it. That's what you've got to do with your wall of trouble. You've got to look over it and avoid it. And that's what faith lets us do. Faith enables us to look past our circumstances, to look over that wall and see what God has for it, to look over it and avoid it. And we do that when we focus on Christ. Jesus said, so don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. And so we need to obey what he's saying. Second thing we can do, one is stop worrying. Second thing is is we need to pray about everything. When the Bible tells you to stop something, it will always put something positive in the place of the negative that it took away. So the Bible says stop worrying but pray. Stop worrying but pray. Let me tell you, I've done that a million times. It feels like in a day, Lord, here I am again. I'm a total failure at this. 
But I'm worried again. And you said, don't worry, but pray. So, Lord, I'm giving it back to you. Fifteen minutes later, Lord, here I am. And that may be you. But you know what? You just keep giving it back to the Lord. You keep giving it back to the Lord. Paul said in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And so we, we replace worry with prayer. We replace worry. Worry uh, just, it, it just is no good. Prayer defeats worry by allowing us to unload our worries onto the Lord. You can unload your worries onto the Lord. When you begin to worry, stop, just like I talked about, and give it to the Lord. Jesus said, come all you who are weary and heavy laden. In other words, give him your worries. Give him your worries. Now listen, a lot of people think, well, I only give him the big things. We pray about everything because God is interested in every area of your life. Write that down. God is interested in every area of life. There's nothing too big for him to handle, and there's nothing too small that he's not interested in. Nothing too big. Now, just where your faith is. Pastor Kathy prays for good parking places, and she gets them. God just tells me I'm a little bit overweight and I need to walk a little bit. But Paul tells us to pray specifically. Look what he says. And, and, and uh, he, you know, he, he said, God's interested. He t- pray specifically. Tell God what you want. Tell him what you need. Don't pray general prayers. Oh, Lord, bless me. What's that mean? What's that mean? Lord, I need the insurance money to pay in this week. Whatever it is, you pray. James says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you what? Don't ask God for it. We need to ask God. Peter said this, give all your worries and cares to the Lord, for he cares about you. You see, God's interested in your life. God's interested in every aspect of your life, and he wants you to give that to him. Give God your worries. Let me just throw in a little bonus. People who go to church live 5.7 years longer than those that don't. So, you know, you got your kids, won't come to church, tell them, well, well, I'll live you. I'm going 5.7 years longer than you are. Number three, develop an attitude of gratitude. Let me tell you, Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need specifically and then thank him for all he's done. See, develop an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the healthiest, if not the healthiest emotion we can have. It, it, It actually increases your immunity system. It strengthens your immunities. And uh, so there's even a physical benefit for being grateful. It, It makes your face muscles look better than it does when you're all ungrateful. Ungrateful people are never satisfied. And, and for the most part, they're unhappy people. So if you're feeling depressed and overwhelmed, and uh, just make a list of about 10 or 15, 20 things that you're grateful for, and you'll start feeling better. There's always something you can be grateful for. Look, you develop an attitude of gratitude by choosing to be grateful in every situation. Not for every situation, but in every situation. It takes your attention off of your fears. It takes your attention off your problems. And places your focus on the Lord, which is where it needs to be. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't say be thankful 
for that circumstance, but in it you can be thankful. There's always something good that's going to happen in any circumstance that God will work in your life. You know, I mean, look, even with the virus, there have been so many medical advances in different areas of, of medicine because of the virus and, and different other viruses that, it, that, it, that are going to help. Uh, you know, with the war, uh, as, as bad as it is, there's going to be, God will work some things that will be good that will come out of this thing. Of course, it may be the end time, end of the world, but, uh, which is going to be good for us. But you can always, when you uh, focus on the good, and you choose to be grateful. So be thankful in all circumstances. Write this down. You develop an attitude of gratitude when you're going through difficult times and you choose to focus on what's left, not on what's lost. It's what Job did. You may have lost a job, but you may you, you focus on what you have that's left, your health, your abilities, uh, whatever it is. There's always something you can focus on. There's, there's uh, you know, People used to say there's a silver lining around every cloud, and there is. You focus on what you've, what you've got, and so uh, we need to do that. Number four is focus your thoughts on the right things. What do we tend to focus on? All the negative, right? And for the most part, I've quit watching my news. I read my news. Now, I read, but I get to pick what I read, and I don't have to watch the headlines and the talking points of what somebody somebody wants me to, to hear. And, uh, and so you, you choose to read what you want to read, and, but focus your thoughts on the right thing. Zig Ziglar called it stinking thinking. You know, I used to love Zig Ziglar. And, and, uh, and for the most part, our thoughts are stinking thinking. We're focused. We focus on the negative. And, uh, and, and so when we do that, we start worrying. You know, and, and if you watch the news, you'll worry. Uh, you know, I've heard people... Uh, you know, staying up all night. When, how many of you, when COVID first came, you couldn't hardly turn the thing off? I mean, and nobody knew what it was. Finally, you got to realize, and they're, they're talking about, well, if something lands on that surface, it's going to be there for 50 days, you know, and somebody else will be there for 50 seconds. Who's right? You know, and, and so you just got you to gotta, you gotta turn it off sometime. Focus your thoughts on the right things. Look what Paul said in Philippians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, he said one final thing. Listen, whenever you read in the scripture and somebody says one final thing, it's important. If your boss says one final thing, it's probably important. And so here's what Paul said, one final thing. He said, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. You know what that means? That means you can fix your thoughts. You might feel scared. I can't, I can't not be scared, but I can change what I'm thinking about. I can fix my thoughts. And that's what he's saying here. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me tell you, if you use that like a filter, this is what I'm going to allow into my mind. It's got to be one of these things, one of these eight things. It's got to be true. It's got to be honorable. It's got to be right. It's got to be pure. It's got to be lovely. It's got to be admirable. It's got to be excellent. It's got to be worthy of praise. And he says you can, you can choose to think on those things. See, we're not animals. We're humans created in the image of God, and we can choose what we do with this. We can choose what we're going to focus on. And Paul says fix your thoughts on things that are good and true and honorable 
and right and lovely and honorable. You know, it's an act of your will. Let me give you an example. At the jail where Pastor Kathy uh, works, and I think we put in the notes last week when a lot of her church services are, many of which get canceled because we have a manpower shortage at the jail, over 100 vacancies in the jail. And, uh, and so if it weren't for the road deputies going in and helping, we'd really be in trouble. But some of those deputies go in there and they're, oh, man, I'm going to quit because they're making me come into jail. That's dumb. But, I mean, you got people with that attitude. Then you got other guys going in and saying, man, I'm paying off my house and I'm going on a cruise with what I'm making in here because it's overtime. Some guys love it. Some guys hate it perspective. It's your job. Some people love it, don't they? And some people hate it. It's a perspective. Man, I used to work in hospitals. Man, some people in there loving it. Some people in there hating it. It's about perspective. Paul said, if it's true, if it's honorable, if it's, I talked to a guy today, he was, he was, man, I was thinking, man, I, I wish I, I'd line up to work Mardi Gras day too if I made the overtime he made. I mean, it was like, man, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? See, is it, is it true? You know what I mean? Here's the thing. All of us got to work, right? There's no dishonorable work. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. You got to focus your thoughts on the right things, not on the negative. You could be making 100 bucks an hour and hate it if your negative got stinking thinking. You've got to focus your thoughts on the right things. You've got to focus. Use those eight words, true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Use those as a filter for your brain. And if it's not one of those things, don't look at it. Don't listen to it, and don't read it. You've got to refocus your thoughts. Write this down. When we refocus our thoughts from the negative to the positive, we can experience the peace of God in our lives. When we refocus our thoughts from the negative to the positive, we can experience the peace of God in our lives. Don't let those depressing thoughts build a nest in your brain because they will be ready to refocus. When you focus on the effects, uh, when you, what you focus on affects the way you feel. The way you feel affects the way you act. See, so change your thoughts. It'll change the way you feel. And it'll change the way you act. Because how you feel will determine how you act. So if we think right, we'll feel better. And our actions will be better. You know, and, uh, and they'll bring the results that we want to have in our lives into our lives. Look, Proverbs 23, 7 in the New King James says this. For as, a, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So as a man thinks in his heart, so what he becomes. You become what you think about. And so we need to make sure that we're thinking the right things. I, think, I believe if you'll practice these four steps, you can experience the peace of God. Number one, stop worrying about anything. Just say, God, I'm going to do what you said. Pray about everything. Develop an attitude of gratitude. In other words, be thankful for what God's doing in your life and what he's, what he's going to do in your life. And then focus your thoughts on the right thing. And then the last part of Philippians, he says this, then you will experience what? God's peace. Can I tell you that the reason I became a Christian many years ago is I didn't have God's peace, and I wanted that peace. I didn't have that peace of going, I closed my eyes. And listen, 
you can lie to me and I'll believe it. You can lie to somebody else and they'll believe it. You can't lie to God. And I couldn't lie to God. I didn't have peace right here. When it's just me and my eyelids at night, I didn't have that peace. But when I gave my life to Christ, he gave me that peace. He said, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So you might be, you might be, I mean, how can anybody have peace in a world like we have today? You might be at a crazy work situation. How can you have peace in a crazy work situation? You, you, you know, I can remember one time when my boss and his boss both got fired above me, and everybody's going, woo, 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 you know. Uh, when I was in hospital work, it's just like, got that peace. Why? Because God's in control. Not me. I don't have to be in control. God's in control. He said he'll give you that peace that sees anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So when we're living for the Lord, he will give us his peace. I believe right now more than ever, people need to experience the peace of Christ in their lives. People are worried about all kinds of things. And, uh, and so we need to, have, let me tell you, the, the first step to that is a relationship with Jesus. So write this down. I know a couple of y'all looking at me like he's got a blank left. To experience the peace of God, you must experience the God of peace. To experience the peace of God, you've got to experience, you've got to know, almost change that word to you've got to know the God of peace. You've got to have a relationship with the God of peace. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, he'll give you peace that you can't comprehend. He'll give you peace that, that nobody else has. I want you to bow your heads, band's going to come up. Peter said, give all your worries and cares to the Lord, for he cares about you. Give all your worries and cares to the Lord because he cares about you. So I've given you some things tonight. I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. If you're watching online, if you're in this room and you don't know for certain that if a meteorite hit this building, you'd go to heaven or hell, we want you to leave knowing. And you can leave knowing. You pray to receive Christ. And uh, so just pray with me right now. Every head bowed and eyes closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Except for Mel, if he's still walking. (laughs) If you're here tonight and you know for certain, if this building blew up, you'd go to heaven. I want you to just raise your hand. Wave it at me. The only one can see it. Put them down. If you couldn't raise your hand, my earnest desire is for you to be able to raise your hand to that question. Because, see, I believe God wants you to be able to raise your hand for that question. You don't have to worry or wonder about whether you're saved or not. It, it comes as when, when Kathy and I got married, they said, do you promise to take her as your wife? And then I asked her, do you promise to take him as your husband? We said yes. It was a decision, an act of our will. And that's the same way as Jesus is saying, do you take me as your Savior tonight? And so you invite him to come in. We do that through a prayer where you just invite Jesus. I want you to just silently to yourself. If that's you tonight, I want you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Just to yourself. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me your child. You see, it's just that simple. Because it's about believing in your heart. It's about like if I sit on this bench... See, I can know this bench would hold me up until I sit on it. Now I know it will. I thought it would, but when I sat on it, 
I know you've got to experience Jesus. That's the kind of trust we're talking about. And so if you cried out to Christ in your heart, and here's the thing, here's the challenge for the rest of us. How many of you are willing to say, I'm going to stop worrying about anything? Raise your hands. I'm going to pray about everything. Raise your hands. I'm going to develop an attitude of gratitude. Raise your hands. And I'm going to focus my thoughts on the right things. That's the hardest one of all. I want you to stand up if you can. We're going we're gonna to close out with some worship. And you might want to get up to this altar. You might Maybe you're a warrior. You need to scooch these pads out and get on your knees. Or maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Maybe bring a friend up. There's power up here at this altar, y'all. This is where the power is. When you get up here, when you come out and you say, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to step out. I'm going to make a commitment, God. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to start praying. So how many of you are willing to do that? I want you to come forward. The band's going to start singing. You can sing with them. You just get up here and say, God, I'm making some commitments in my life. I'm going I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to change my focus. I'm going to focus on on the positives. And so you get up here and you make those commitments. I mean, I I, I don't have much, but I'm going to thank God for what I have. And so you come on up. If there's not room at the altar, just stand out here. Just lift your hands up and you worship the Lord with everybody. Yes, Lord. Yes, God, just worship Him. Sing that out to the Lord. How many of you, that's, that's what you...